Clay across all of the Star Trek races from Cardassians to the Klingons to the Romulans to the Tellarites to the Andorians to the Borg to the Herogen uh, and Voyager. I know mm-hmm. that that's kind of tough for you to answer, but is I was trying to think of it. Are the Ferengi like the worst? If you if someone was like, you have to write a Star, a Star Trek script, you said, great. They said, okay, it has to be a blank race story. Would the Ferengi be like low on that or is it because – do they have such a um, untapped potential that you think they'd actually be higher, or how would you personally respond to being told to write a Ferengi story? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that they tend to be. Uh, I think they're the worst because they're the only race that nobody takes seriously, and I mean, in whether it's in universe or the people writing the episodes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they don't really do anything particularly interesting with them ever really um i mean i think i'd have a i think i'd have an idea for what to do with them but if they mm -hmm. were like it has to if my if my idea to sort of fix them was not allowed to be done like if gene roddenberry was like no this is like the 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 way that i created the ferengi in the last outpost their first appearance on tng is the way that you have to portray them i'd be like ooh, i think the ferengi (laughs) are probably lowest on my totem pole as to what i would want to write out of all the races across i mean if it were me I have a much less encyclopedic knowledge of of the races, so I would probably, if if someone were like, you have to write an episode that doesn't feature Klingons, Vulcans, or Romulans, I would probably choose the Ferengi just because it's the the next one that pops in. Right? Head. Yeah, you watch. So they're 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 very prevalent. <laughs> yeah, um, they're kind of they're a little one note, I would say, but um, yeah, I, I uh, it, it, they're interesting because. I kind of feel like the more you learn about them, the less they work, mm-hmm. um, because I, I I I find that they work better as as uh, sort of accents, really. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of color or something to the yeah. uh, to a little bit of taste to the palate. Well, we're going to be talking about acquisition, so let's do that. We'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. Fuck, McGordon, do what I'm saying. Sit down. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Who we are is unimportant. Do you command the ship? I'm the captain. What have you done to my crew? They're sleeping. They won't be harmed as long as you cooperate. What do you want? Where is the location of your vault? The vault? <laughs> All right, everybody. So Acquisition is the 19th episode of the first season of Star Trek Enterprise. It aired on March 27th, 2002. Teleplay goes to Maria Jacquemotin and Andre Jacquemotin. Story credit goes to Rick Berman and Brennan Braga. Directed by James Whitmore Jr. In-universe date is unknown, but it's 2151. In this, even Memory Alpha gets a, a little bit uh, goofy here. So this is a blurb I've never seen end in a sentence so that you'll hear in a second. A group of interstellar thieves stun the Enterprise crew and begin looting the ship. Trip Tucker is the only one left to stop them, but can he do it in his underwear? So even Memory Alpha is taking having a little having a little bit of fun with. <laughs> with this well, you know, you got to keep it light over at Memory Alpha. They deal with a lot of heavy shit. It is after six hundred <clears throat> blurbs that you've written, uh, you got to get a let crack uh, wise. I think with a few of them or take a little. I don't even think that he's he's not the only one left to stop them, really, because there are three people who are left to stop them. He's the first one awake, but maybe that counts. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you, how far you want to take it. 
So the Ferengi are in Enterprise, and um, this is, I might be getting tired of saying something, but this is this is another Enterprise episode, I think is the way that you would describe sure this is. one. It's another <laughs> strange choice that they've made, and I mean, I, I, it, it all comes down to the Ferengi in this, right? Like, I mm. think that this podcast is going to be, if it's not just us doing a thematic repetition of what we've talked about with the Ferengi before it wouldn't be fitting for this episode of the show I don't think mm. you know no as you said no one takes the Ferengi seriously so their episodes can't be taken seriously yeah um I I don't I don't mind that they are a comic relief species for lack of better explanation because I think especially in a show like Deep Space Nine that gets so heavy uh, I understand why they kept going back to the Ferengi well, just to kind of you know loosen things up a little bit and and uh, not worry about um, Bajoran genocides and and other you know yeah. slave labor Fascist and all the takeovers other heavy, and things. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's an odd choice for this show because there's so much stuff they haven't done yet. I'm kind of surprised they went so quickly to the Ferengi well. Um, I, I did, I did enjoy, uh, the yet another new character from Jeffrey Combs where he man he actually manages to do a different kind of Ferengi than he, he plays on, on, uh, Deep Space Nine, which is great. Yep. He's um, Brunt on DS9, the, uh, the Ferengi right. trader or whatever, who's always in Quark's business. And this one, he's, he's kind of the opposite of that. He's a very nebbish, uh, insecure Ferengi. And so it's the mm. opposite of the bombast of Brunt. I kind of I kind of wish that they had got Armin Shimmerman and uh, the guy who plays Rom to come in and they all play different characters. Yeah, yeah. With with like slight with different makeup, so it's like you can't quite tell that it's them. That would have been fun. Instead, um, uh, you probably recognize Clint Howard is one of the Ferengi. Yeah, I don't know if I would have recognized him if I didn't see his name in the credits. Oh, really? I feel uh, like his face is the one that carries through. He looks the most like a Frankie in real life. So it's like his, uh, when, <laughs> when, he, when he puts on the makeup, I feel like, oh, it's Clint Howard's face. The other one is um, it is uh, Neelix. Ethan Phillips is one of the Ferengi. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, and then fun. the fourth yeah. Ferengi is some guy who's never been in Star Trek before. Yeah, like this feels like such an opportunity to do something weird like that where it's like we got jonathan frakes right brent spiner and uh, <laughs> uh michael and, dorn to come on yeah yeah to all come on as, as ferengis but all those guys are like six feet tall so it probably wouldn't work yeah um yeah it was fine i i don't know it was uh it's nothing we haven't seen before on at least a couple times on across most of the other shows as far as plot wise uh, it's a little bit of a really diehard it's... thing. It's like a uh, there was that yeah, team, it's sure. Starship Mine. It's kind of like a you know someone someone's hiding and not being you know the the difference is that the Ferengi are not uh, scary in the way that Hans mm. is, and his group are. Like there's no real danger to you because the Ferengi are kind of silly. Yeah, it's um, I kind of wish that they had played with the Ferengi and the fact that they had never encountered them a little bit more, and so like. I wish they had taken them really seriously and like and and viewed them as a scary race. Yeah. And then at at one point Archer's just like oh these guys are dumb. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a um yeah, it's like a uh, 
a disconnect between their appearance, which could be which could be somewhat ferocious. You know, they have like sharp little shark teeth and like a kind of mm-hmm. gnomish troll looking and stuff like that. And then to pair it off with them, all they want to talk about is business acquisitions, basically. Like just the the contrast there of uh, you know what they actually look like and what they are. Yeah, I I could you can you get out of a Ferengi uh, uh, if the Ferengi board your ship and they want to take all your shit. Can you get out of that by saying, I can't give this to you because I'm under contract with somebody else right. to do it? And they're like, oh, okay, well, I mean, that's fine. I understand yep. that. No, see you later. Yep. Yeah, you, I don't think they've ever done that, where someone tries to like out-negotiate a Ferengi, really. Yeah. Um, that's really surprising if they've never tried to do that. Maybe they have, and it's just not sticking in my mind as something that's played well. I mean, I think that the problem with them is that if you tried to do that, the way that the Ferengi are written now is that they, they don't even really stay true to their principle, which is that they're this sort of like business oriented group because they're basically they're basically just like criminal entrepreneurs. You know, like they don't mm. really have a they don't really have a belief in contracts or anything like that. They just kind of talk about it all the time. But they mm. they like they don't have these guys, for instance, don't have a um, if you're going to call the Ferengi's t- a take on capitalists, they don't have a respect for private property. You know, they don't like even right. respect the fact that I need to acquire this through some sort of like trading mechanism. It's just they're like we're going to steal it and then it's going to be ours. And so it's they're not even as goofy as their like hyper mercantile capitalist thing is that Roddenberry gave them when he uh, started them off. It's like it doesn't even they don't even stay true to it enough to make that kind of an interesting thing. They're just they're just mm. criminals who are kind of shitty and shifty little characters. Well, they have the oppor- they had the opportunity to to twist it a little bit because it is a hundred years in the past. So they could two hundred have... before we've ever seen them. Before. Okay, yeah. sorry, yeah. two hundred years in the past yeah. from CNG. It's a hundred um, years before TOS. Right. To, yeah. Okay, uh, two hundred years in the past, which gives you a lot of wiggle room as to what the uh, and I, you know I think that kind of goes a little bit part of the problem I'm having in general with with a lot of these uh, recurring or um, previously known species that show up it does seem a lot like they don't change much across uh across 300 years of star trek television yeah 200 years of star trek television where the humans um, the focus of the show is how different the humans are but no one exactly, else is very different exactly yeah because i mean like 200 years a long time for anybody yep uh you know the united states is only 270 something years old you know it, it, a lot can change in 200 years yeah i guess you um you know to get super nerdy i guess you run into problems when vulcans live for 200 years they, they would be the same vulcans that you'd run into sure. later well that yeah. that that's not that doesn't bother me too but even there though i mean like i feel like their society might change yeah. in 200 years even if it's the same people yeah, but, uh, yeah. i guess I, it, it yeah sorry not to interrupt but i guess that no i guess no. that depends on like whether or not you think it's just a different point, but it's like whether or not you think that the society can change if it's still the same people. Like we had that problem with um, Terra Nova, where like, can people really change as much in seventy years? Like, if you just if sure. you just do you forget sure. how to speak and things like that, so you, you wonder if you need a little bit of uh, like life or like organism turnover to create a cultural mm-hmm. change. But I understand what you mean is that the humans are definitely portrayed differently. So you think that the Ferengi at least should have some sort of thing outside of the fact that they use that whip weapon that they've never used since their first appearance mm. in TNG. Like that's the only callback that these are old Ferengi, I think. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't um <clears throat> excuse me. 
that they resisted the urge to have them pre rules of acquisition and have this somehow be like a lead into the creation of that or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, uh, they are lawless, uh, stealers or whatever. And then after their interaction with the humans, they're like, you know, if we had some sort of rule as to how we handled these things, yeah, right. Maybe a system of, you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad that they didn't do that. Yeah, the but, enterprise um, is carrying the uh, Magna Carta or something for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, they steal it and are inspired by the uh, the contractual obligations of the state and things like that. Yeah, uh, but I'm yeah I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't really. Ch- I guess I guess technically they are a little different because they are. Pirates, pirates and they are they are the most active we've ever seen the ferengi usually the ferengi are just sort of like wearing big robes and fancy clothes yeah this so, is the most aggressive uh, and, i think that we've seen the ferengi sure. since their first appearance so if you if yeah. you, they're aggressive in kind of a comical sense i mean just because mm-hmm. they their first tng appearance they are supposed to be intimidating like they you know they're like stunning people with their weapons and they're kind of like you know sort of gnashing their teeth and things like that here they're kind of that in that they I'm always surprised in this episode that they are responsible for knocking the Enterprise out. It always seems like a real Ferengi thing would they be. They, they just stumble across the Enterprise that's been derelict for oh, some reason. Is that I what I thought that they were? I thought they got knocked out because of that thing that Trip brought back from the moon. Right? Didn't whatever. the Ferengi? I thought the Ferengi planted that though. Was the point? Oh, is that what happened? I, I completely missed. that. Maybe not. If that's the case. If, maybe not. That's what I if, assume. If that's the case, that makes the episode a lot worse. <laughs> if, if the Ferengi knocked them out. Yeah, oh, that's pretty dumb. Yeah, because I, I think maybe they don't actually say that in the episode, but it, it just seems like a random thing to talk about that they randomly got knocked out by this thing, that, and then the Ferengi actually found them. But the Ferengi, there's no scene of the Ferengi. Well, I guess you don't know what they're talking about. When the Ferengi find the Enterprise, it's not like they're like, "Hello, hello, is anyone here? Is anything going on?" They know that the crew is knocked out. I think that's my understanding of what they're doing anyway. Oh yeah, I, I I guess I didn't read it. I I just read it as though they had they had come across it. Uh, but no, I guess you're right because they do talk about how long the knockout thing is going to oh, last. Yeah, and that's I, right. Yeah, and I guess. and I do I do remember at the time thinking that was weird that they knew how long it was going to last and that they knew what happened. So I guess you you must be right. I thought it was weird I, that I it's a gas. The gas spread through the whole ship and before anyone could do anything with that. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um. Yeah. I. I. If I don't. I don't care for that. That they did it on purpose. I. I. I like. I like it a lot better if they just kind of come across the, what looks like a derelict ship. Um. Yeah. I. You know. I. I'm. I, the. The one joke that I would have that I. I. Would have done maybe is um, when Jeffrey Combs starts talking about the rules of acquisition. I wish he had been, said something like, "We have these rules. We have fifteen rules." And then Arch is like, well, that kind of sounds like a lot. And he's like, well, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like they, they, they don't – I don't know. How, was there 270 or something? I think they underestimate – in this episode, they say less than what DS9 says. So they have added Oh, they do. They okay. So they rules. do. Yeah. They, they do do that joke, only it's a lot more subtle. It's, it's more, than, there's something like people, 270 people like rules, and they say there's 173 or something in this episode. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a – halfway there yeah to, the, to that to that joke working I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we have one golden rule they just said they start off with the golden rule and that's all that yeah they like yeah. like five or something i don't know like uh, the different if you had told me how, if you had said are there 170 rules of acquisition i would say yes, yes and i would right. be wrong yeah. oh like, you'd be technically I don't think right that's there's a, at least 170 yeah i don't i don't think i don't think that's enough of a change for that joke to really work yeah. but I, what do i know i think there's um 
I think they get one of the rules wrong or something. That's one of like the, the sort of weird criticisms of the episode that the, the writers get one of the rules. They, they repeat a rule or something. It's, it's a very minor mm-hmm. problem. But I mean, do you... It's a shifting list. Is We've talked, we talked before. I, I was wondering what your thoughts. We talked before about uh, previous tech being brought in. And we thought previously to this point that we thought things like the holodeck and stuff like that was brought in fairly organically into this series. Mm-hmm. I think that this one... This is the first one where I'm like, wow, this really sticks out that they have a pre-existing idea and they're going to shoehorn it in here, especially because I think the ending here is atrocious. I think it's terrible <laughs> because they're they're stuck in this spot where this alien group was trying to steal everything from them. They capture them and they let them go because they can't take them home because that means that people will find out who the Ferengi are. You know, there's no mm. there's no way here that because you have to have this continuity exist where you don't know what the Ferengi are, you can never capture them and interrogate them about what they are. So you have to just let them go. But I'm surprised that they didn't just have it be the Ferengi get away. Like the Enterprise fights back, but the Ferengi just get on their ship and fly away. And everyone's like, well, what the hell was that? Like, where do those people come from? Weird. We'll probably never see them again. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if I blacked out or something while I was watching this, but I, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't quite sure why, Jeffrey Combs started working with them at the end. He, they just give him command of the ship. The Ferengi ship is now his. Archer gives that's it to him. Yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. but it just seemed really weird that that was how that ended up playing out. So yeah, it because they after once again, uh, to Paul's use in this episode is that she gets the upper hand by jerking him off <laughs> by giving him a hand. <laughs> if I. If I never see somebody do that to a Ferengi again on screen, it will not be soon enough. It's so it's so disturbing. It's um yeah. It's like I get that it's funny. It's but fu- it's yeah. also sexual harassment. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's funny, but it's also it's almost too graphic to be funny. You know, like there's yeah. a there's a weird thing about it where if they were a little bit more oblique about what was going on, you'd be like, yeah, that guy's getting a Ferengi hand job right there, and that's kind of funny. But <laughs> it, but they have it always leads in where he's like, oh, stroke my lobes, <laughs> like yeah, oh, this is yeah. disgusting. <laughs> I don't need to see this. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, awful. if if the reaction to it was a little more subtle, it might not be as as gross. But yeah, it's yeah. just like. It, it's it's like they stuck their dick in an electrical socket or yeah, something. It's, it's tasteless, it's, and it's just like I I always just think of like I imagine the female actress who's in that scene just has to have like a straight face while looking at this like gnomishly made up little guy with huge ears and being like, yeah, this is this is this is it. But did you um? All right, did, all did right. You find the uh, Ferengi- Jolene. All right, Jolene. Remember, <laughs> you're a you're a Vulcan with no emotions. All right, Jeffrey. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> Great take, Jeff. Great job there. <laughs> he's actually very good. But do you? No, he's great. He's, the, he's good in everything. Did the Ferengi stick out to you here? Like, I find it just very obvious that they are a previous callback. It feels very clunky in the way that they're introduced here, mostly because that ending has no other way. For some reason, the Ferengi can't just fly away and be gone. They have to catch them for whatever reason and then tell them to go away. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's very much you're getting into discovery territory uh where they introduce something that is not uh canonically has canonically not happened yet so they have to figure out a way to cover it up uh in order to to get out of it. Um yep. Yeah, I I think I I I wish that they had gotten away as well. I mean, I I don't know 
<clears throat> I don't think it looks. I think it makes the Ferengi look even stupider than they are, and because they're not, they're not all dumb. They 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 still have a certain element of cunning to them. Yeah, and they're hyper focused, which makes them dumb. Yeah, you know, like they they can't see beyond Rom their narrow is vision. Rom is dumb. Yeah, yeah, Rom is dumb. Uh, Quark is not dumb. Quark Nog is, is smart. very yeah. single. Yep. Yeah, Quark is very single minded. Nog is smart. Um, shit, what the hell is Jeffrey Combs' Brunt. character's name? Brunt. Brunt yep. is smart. Yeah, also very single minded. So it's a, the single mindedness, like you said, makes them seem dumb. So I I think it's it's doing them a disservice that they don't find a way to like scurry off, right? Because um, I don't I don't see I don't see why you have to play them as so uh, inept that they essentially get uh put up put on their horse and then they slap the horse in the ass and say never come back you know yeah no i i see a lot of enterprise um sort of uh, the the i see a lot of enterprise contextual problems with this right like so if you're doing a prequel enterprise episode where this is before tos and all that stuff and you introduce the ferengi shouldn't isn't it a bad decision that we've talked about before, which has been a problem, that the char- the human characters of this are already Starfleet material? You know, where Archer's like, we haven't mm. had money and we don't need money. Fuck you. Shouldn't there be a thing where this is so proto-Federation uh, that money is still something that can be done where the Ferengi can bribe humans and things like that? Like the Ferengi have, a, have an influence on humans that they don't have in later series because humans are still interested in gold and stuff like that. Like there's a, um, there's a human greed desire that maybe the Ferengi can play on here with a crewman or something like that to get access to things. And instead you have Archer going, well, even though this is a prequel, we're not supposed to be this way. We are good people who are Federation material at this point. So we have a, an immediate problem with you Ferengi and we have no relationship to you whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think there would be anything wrong with uh, <clears throat> like Trip uh, stepping aside to talk to Archer and be like, you know, this they're offering us kind of a lot of stuff or whatever. Yeah, this could be really valuable if we take it back. Uh, so you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think they have to be saints necessarily. Uh, if if that that idea isn't fully set up, yeah, yeah, why not? Give, God forbid, they have character. Right. I mean, the problem here is that there's no conflict outside of the fact that the humans want to take their ship back. So yeah, that I I was thinking that too. It's like it's so straightforward, and I, I was thinking about um other shows and and an episode like this in a show. I hate to keep using Buffy as an example, but <clears throat> this feels like an episode where the plot itself is so straightforward that on a Buffy episode they would use this as an excuse to tackle something like character wise that was a big deal that they've been driving to for a while you know yep. what i mean yeah so that so the the situation ends up being just the framing device for this thing that you're actually caring about which is this character clash that's been building up for the past six episodes or something um buffy does that really well with their gimmick episodes when they do gimmick episodes it's usually it usually has some sort of big revelation that the the series has been driving to so it's not just oh this is the one where nobody talks right. you know it, it there's there's something more baked into it than just the gimmick yeah yeah because as it stands here this episode can be done with any alien race 
There's no reason for sure. this to be Ferengi yeah. because they, they don't bring anything. Besides the fact that they talk about rules of acquisition and things like that, there's no difference between just generic alien pirate that you create for this episode and the Ferengi, which is unfortunate. And there's no reason to bring them into this episode outside of fans know who these people are, and it'll be kind of cute to see them early. Mm. Uh, but don't give away too much because we can't actually have the humans <clears throat> figure out who these people are. Yeah, I, I would be curious to know um, behind the scenes. I mean, I guess you got to write these really far in advance. And this, what what number episode is this? Like 19. 17 or something? 19. 19. Uh, yeah, so I guess the show is probably coming out at this point. I well, my, What I'm getting at is this feels like a dopamine hit, like a let's hit the let's hit the Ferengi button so that buys us a little bit of time you know what I mean yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like this is our first season things are going really well uh, our concept is super strong and being used to its utmost uh, uh, whatever um, yeah I don't know I, I mean the the rest of the crew gets a day off though I mean aside right. from the three guys three main people there <laughs> so maybe it was just a, a break for everybody else I think that the the problem is, right, is that it's not a problem to go to the Ferengi in and of itself. I think that the, mm-hmm. the problem here is that this seems to be season one of Enterprise seems to be a lot of poorly thought out ideas that they are competently executing. So sure, I, I think that the, the the way that you change that is that like if you're going to do this and you don't show some different side or you don't take advantage of the prequel nature or something like that or you don't do something clever with it, it feels really pointless that this is an episode of Enterprise that you're watching. I was thinking there's an episode of TNG called First Contact. I think you watched it with me, baby. It's the one where Riker is um, Riker is kidnapped by – or Riker is on an away mission and he gets knocked out and he's taken to an alien hospital and he wakes up in the alien hospital and they're taking care of him and mm-hmm. they realize that he is an alien and they're like, oh, like what the hell is going on? We've never seen aliens before. We were mm-hmm. talking about in that episode – it would have been so great if that one was only told from the POV of the aliens. Like, So the main cast were just sort of guest stars who would beam into the perspective of what the aliens were looking at. So you were in the shoes of the aliens seeing like, oh, we're meeting aliens here for the first time who are the humans. Sure. This would have been great if this was entirely from the POV of the Ferengi who were discovering this human ship and they were trying to do a Ferengi thing and you focused on the Ferengi story and the villains who were kind of in the background a little bit were the humans who eventually chased you mm. off the ship. That would be kind of yeah. interesting and it would tie into, I would have done the same thing. I never would have had them be able to talk to each other. I, like I would have started with the Ferengi yeah. thing where you never understand what the, you would understand the Ferengi, but you can never understand what the humans are saying from that point of view. Yeah, And yeah. that would have been Yeah, no, fun. I think... Yeah, I also think it solves the problem of the, the, the canon problems as well. Because if if they can never talk to each other, then there's no reason why the humans would know anything about them, what they're called or what their yep. deal is. Yep. So you don't have to worry about figuring out how to write them out of out of uh, continuity after that. Right. Um, no, that, that would be really cool, I think. And uh, I th- – um, yeah, I, I think it would, it would lend itself to uh, – doing what the show does pretty well which is the the creepiness factor i yeah. think if you turned that around and put that onto the the enterprise uh from the viewpoint of the ferengi i think that right the humans neat. would be the creepy ones which is kind of a right. funny like if the right. ferengi are scared of what's going on on the ship which i think makes sense for their characterization they're 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 profit driven but they're not exactly brave as a, as a species 
And, you mm-hmm. know, like they disable the power on the Enterprise. They go on and they have flashlights and the humans are like running around in the background as the Ferengi are right. trying to steal stuff. Right. You'd be like, oh, it's what a, like a clever twist on things. And then the humans can yeah, chase them off and they escape with their lives. Yeah, you've got Trip running around in the background half naked right. like some sort of <laughs> like the, like the the alien from Alien. Yeah. The Vulcan is pinching the neck of one of your friends and it knocks him out and you're like what the what the hell's going on here? Like what what kind of power things are uh, powerful entities are these? It's just that's the problem with these Enterprise episodes. It's it they just feel half-baked and thoughtless in a lot of in a lot of sense. Like there's no there's no desire to do anything interesting here with a twist and mm. i was just looking at the dates like we we obviously we did the series out of order but i didn't realize that this show started the year that voyager ended so oh, Berman really? and braga okay. had no break between it for some reason i was thinking there was a break but apparently there's no break they just were coming off of enterprise which maybe they were not directly involved in but they were sort of overseeing at that point and moved into a new series Vo- you mean voyager voyager sorry uh and then yeah. moved into enterprise and that's what it feels like to me at this point. It just it just feels like they had no chance to catch their breath, and so they're just going out with, well, what else have we got? Throw this out there, and we'll put it in a new series with a new cast and see how it goes. And it's just not rewarding at all. A lot of these, these how many shows? How many times? How many times do you think that they were writing those scripts and they ex- they accidentally wrote Chicote instead of Trent? I know it's like when the date changes, <laughs> the year changes, and you keep writing like twenty nineteen. It's like oh, it's twenty two. It's March of twenty twenty, probably. Your Neelix, like this, this probably kept uh, calling Ethan Phillips Neelix while they were filming this. Practically at that point, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, that's really it. I don't, there's not much else to say about the plot or anything about this because it's just kind of a minor free the people. Archer has a very lame subplot, which is just trying to. I think this is a bad episode for showing what Archer is good at in a lot of ways. Maybe that's a good way to take this, Archer. Yeah, Archer's. I don't know what Scott Bakula does not seem built for this kind of thing that Archer's doing here, which is this like conniving, trying to turn somebody again. It's a it's a minor version of the uh, how much sleep did you get last night thing, where he's trying to be a little bit tricky right. with them, and right. it's just I don't I don't really buy it. it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, his it. his his tricky voice is just that weird like Ronald Reagan type thing that he does. Yeah, yeah. So. Are you the it, no, not Ronald Reagan. It's the uh uh do you like gladiator movies? No, from airplane. Like it's it's that <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of that's that kind of cadence. So yeah. or you must be the one who's in charge of this ship, I would assume, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, Why uh, wouldn't your yeah, cousin let you sell the material? It's yeah, yeah. it's just it's just a lot. <laughs> and that plot is just half baked because all of Archer are doing all that stuff doesn't really get them out of anything. It just provides an ending where this one Ferengi is now in charge of the ship and he's going to leave because Archer kind of befriended him, but not really. He tricked him yeah. into befriending him. Yeah, ultimately, T'Pol is the one who eliminates that guy. Right. Uh, and it, yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, there's not really an endgame to it other than Archer learning that the uh, the Ferengi are kind of... Um, what's the word? Pushovers, I guess. My... Uh, or not pushovers, but susceptible to yeah. uh, mind tr- Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe you you admitted you you had blacked out a little bit during this. So I don't know if you're the right person to ask, but how <laughs> how do yeah I you know you know how many times I've heard that in my life? <laughs> how do uh, you are under oath here, Clay, um, <laughs> officer? I'm not sure what to tell you. 
How do Trip, Archer, and Paul communicate their plan to each other? Do they ever, or are they just all magically on the same page where Paul knows to go to the vault to shoot them with the phaser? Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I was wondering that in the scene where uh, Archer and Trip get into a fight for no reason. Does nothing. Yeah, does nothing. I get maybe maybe that sort of that sort of. Uh, uh, misogynist improv is baked into starfleet's training or something well, that- where it's like if you get the chance <laughs> if you if you need to break up and escape from an alien race get into an argument over a woman yeah it's like okay well it, it reminded me very much of shadows of pajam where archer has that scene where he gets the shit kicked out of him for no particular reason and it's not mm-hmm. to throw the figurine you know it's not to yes yes you know, there, there's like when they get into that fight, you think that during it, Archer has something that he wants to give to Trip, but he can't give it to them in front of the Ferengi. So they have a fight, and, and Trip takes it from him while the Ferengi are distracted or whatever. But they just they fight seemingly just to prove to the Ferengi or convince the Ferengi that they are at odds with each other. But it's not it's not relevant to that. The Ferengi aren't um, onto them or anything. There's no reason to to have to sell this so hard. Yeah, it seemed to just be an excuse to, yeah, I don't really know. It's just Archer continuing down his route of uh, saying that there's valuable things on board and that he cares more about the money and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't I don't know. It's just an action beat for the sake of an action beat, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's not even, if I remember correctly, it's not even like that fight distracts them while T'Pol goes and does something else. No, it, it accomplishes know? nothing. There's no, there's no yeah. secondary outcome or there's nothing that is uh, only able to be done because they fight with each other. Yeah, exactly. It's too bad. Just reveals it Trip's inner desire for, for Hoshi. It's just so, like, is, is, that, is Trip not married to T'Pol because he can't even in character admit that he has the thing for her he's like no not to paul i want to date hoshi <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> it was so it was so weird that they picked hoshi instead of to, i don't know i don't know why they did that especially because to paul is the one that all the other all the ferengi are like interested you know, in. yeah. drool, drooling over you know yeah. i do think i do think uh, uh the guy who plays trip needs to go to the um uh harrison ford school of saying the line my wife because that's my my favorite thing harrison ford's really good at it and also uh kurt russell's really good at it and i think they should open a school that teaches actors how to convincingly deliver the the term my wife because it's not just oh you're not going to take my wife it's you're not going to take my wife right very specific way you need to do it it's the uh the emphasis that everyone in Air Force One pronounces the word president. The, my favorite thing about Air Force One is that <laughs> the, the movie fetishizes the word president. They're like, the president is on the plane. He's like, it's the president mm. on the line. They all mm-hmm. say president like that. They can't just say whatever that fuck that guy's name is. Um, it's calling. It's just, it's a real, it's a real like bureaucratic uh, jerk off sesh there for like how, <laughs> how for how en- engaged they are by the word. I don't think I have much else to say. Get about your it. hands off my wife, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, too real. I, yeah, that's. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about Trump. It goes back quite a ways. Like it's yeah, just, true. just a thing yeah. you could say to any president, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't have much else to say about acquisition. I don't think. Um, do you think we hit the problems with the plot enough? Like, there's no problem with the plot, really. It's just. It's the same as Rogue Planet. There's not much underneath this very 
fine veneer of this is a story technically uh, because mm. it has a beginning, middle, and end, but it doesn't really have – it is all uh, – it's all facts and no substance, I guess, would be the way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. I guess – so are we expecting too much from this show? In, like, because this, this is a fine – it's fine. It's it's not terrible. It's a fine episode, like mid season episode of Star Trek. That if this was, I mean, they have done this very thing on TNG at least once, yep. probably more than once, and, and it's it's fine. Are we are we just are we expecting more from the Enterprise as a show for some reason? Because um, like we're talking about, oh well, it's it's too bad that they didn't use it as uh, for this other subplot and blah. And it's like, well. Eh, eh. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to, if you're swinging for the fence every time, sure that would be great. But like, is I guess is this show, this show gets fairly maligned. I know there's a lot of people that love it, but it does get kind of it's kind of the forgotten Star Trek show. Yeah. And do you feel up to this point like it is really that much worse than any of the other shows? Because I I honestly don't. At least, at least for a first season, I still think this is probably the best first season we've seen. Yeah, it's probably going to come out statistically being our highest scoring. Well, maybe outside of TOS season one, it's going to be the, the highest scoring season that we've had out of TNG, DS Nine, and all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that I think it has to be somewhat taken in context, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you have to you have to go in saying even though we've watched these out of order this is the last of five star trek series to that point so it is it is mm-hmm. it is the final one um in terms of everything else that we've seen before it so at that point i think that there is an argument where like would you say that ds9 took less advantage of its setting setup and setting than this one did i would say that the difference between something like DS9 and Enterprise's first season is that DS9 took advantage of its setting and what made it a unique uh, universe in the Star Trek thing. However, it had worse scripts at that point. So sure. there was there was an idea of like you can go places with it, uh, but and there's like something unique about this. However, the stories are pretty bad. Here, Enterprise feels like it's the opposite, which is that the scripts are competent, but it doesn't really feel like there's a reason for the show to be its own series at this point sure yeah yeah i would agree with that and i think that that's Um, kind of that's kind of catastrophic to it in a lot of ways like i and not that there's not changes coming for enterprise or that it goes another three seasons obviously but at this point it just feels um enterprise feels tired in a way that the first season of ds9 didn't feel tired Mm. first season of ds9 was just bad but that's that's the problem with it yeah I, i do think that the big difference is that even in the first season, Deep Space Nine episodes could only be Deep Space Nine episodes. Yeah. And this one, this in Enterprise, a lot of these episodes could, unless they directly tie into continuity or actually do really uh, get into the, the concept that they're playing with, most of these episodes could just be middle season, star, uh, any star, pick a Star Trek show. Yeah. Uh, like this episode here, if they could have done this on the, on Voyager, no problem. Yep. Uh, or TNG, or you know, it doesn't. Okay, if they change the Ferengi into something not the Ferengi, right? But it's it's not. Or if they just had really, a thing where the Ferengi, this is not the first time meeting the Ferengi, but the Ferengi knock them out and try to hijack the ship. That's that's perfectly sure, fine sure. for those series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I do think that is the problem is that they do 
it, it a lot of these episodes are feeling like Star Trek for the sake of Star Trek of just doing Star Trek. Yeah. And um yeah, they they don't have a connection to their their concept the way that some of the other that the other shows do. Yeah. And I because I I would agree with you we're we're maybe we're maybe being harsh on them in terms of like overall quality of what they are, right? So it's like you're you're maybe being a little bit like in a, in a somewhat middling episode, you actually have more negative things to say about it than positive things. But it's mm-hmm. a it just yeah to me it just it it doesn't feel it just doesn't embrace its concept really very strongly and something like this where the Ferengi get called in. If you're not going to expand on what it would be like to first meet the Ferengi and not, not have it be extremely different from what any other Encountering the Ferengi episode would be, outside of the fact that they mm-hmm. don't say the Ferengi, yeah, it's like, eh, don't really, not really interested. Because you're going to, um, you're going to get a Borg episode in the second season, which I think does take advantage of its prequel nature like the the, the mm-hmm. that whole thing is built around the fact that this is very early in meeting the borg and stuff like that so mm. interesting we'll see yeah. um that's it i guess we'll, we'll take a we'll take a break we'll play a clip from the episode then we'll come back and read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about acquisition i'm going to be contacting the vulcan high command as well as starfleet if you come within a light year of any one of our ships you won't know what hit you you'll never see us again if you want to be unshackled, you might think about showing Krem here a little more respect. Vermin. Release me. And I'll forget this ever happened. Later. Maybe. If you're nice. Let me go, you idiot! Shut up! All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. It's the best way. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a special shout-out at this point, so let me expand the little screen here. Special thank you goes to Alec DeWolf, Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Brazen, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Pouch, Corey Martin, Darth Mosco, David Beermore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Eric's Anch- uh, Eric Antoine, HH28, Jacob123, Jakey's Gamer, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Lowry, Kevin Rice, Cal Barrett, Mad Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Mike Harris, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Russell Elwood, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Stephen Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Housen, Vault, 13 Hero. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. It means a lot. It's very kind. Is that, is that alphabetical order? It is, by first name, alphabetical oh. order. Uh, I see. Would, if people would prefer a different ordering, let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll sort them by uh, this little Excel hey. sheet that they've got here. Hey, man, if you want to throw in a tip... Largest tip gets named first. I could I could do it by uh, pledge <laughs> Ple- pledge for uh, just air out all that information. <laughs> I'll do it by alphabetical uh, email contact name. Um, let's see here. If in a, a very Ferengi way to handle it would be to list it by uh, largest donation to smallest donation. Just that's true. Shame. It does have lifetime With, pledge. Uh, that would be the the most yeah. different way to go about it. That's a very Ferengi way. I should have done that. You should have sent me that idea earlier. <laughs> let's go to Patreon. Uh, and we'll read some patron comments here for acquisition. I think there's about 10 of them. What the hell happened there? There it is. Matt Ross says, oh boy, another stinker. Well, at least we know that TNG, Voyager, and DS9 Ferengi, as well as Clint Howard, get work. Even Jeff Combs can't I would, save. Sorry, can I jump in for a second? Mm-hmm. I don't think people remember what a bad Star Trek episode looks like. This is not a bad Star Trek. It's fine. 
It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. It, there are terrible Star Trek episodes. I don't know if I would call this necessarily a stinker. It's kind of boring and kind of middling, sure. Yep. But it's not. It's not. It's not Angel One here. You know, there's there, <laughs> there's a big. There's a lot left. They can. They can. There's a much more of that hill they can go down before you get to like bad episodes. It's funny that um, Angel One is usually your go to for a bad episode. And it's also the first one you watched, and I wonder what the correlation. That's why. Yeah. yeah. That's why it just made such an impression on me. That it, that's. <laughs> I having having not watched Star Trek for so long, and then having that be my first introduction back into it, uh, it was a shock it to the system. It, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, I don't know if you do. You remember Resurrection from? You probably don't, but Resurrection on DS Nine, which is where Mirror Burial comes back to life from the Mirror oh, Universe. Yes. <laughs> we hated that episode, yes. and I would say yeah. that this episode is somewhat in line with that which is like it's like why is this happening like what's the point here sure. maybe because maybe it's worse because Burial is just even worse than a Ferengi in terms of like what you can get out of that character but that's mm-hmm. another thing of character appears kind of wanders around on the set for a day or two while they film it and then he disappears at the end of the episode and it doesn't really right. amount to anything that's kind of what this one is and Maybe I think that this episode, well, we'll get to it. Maybe this one's better, but I, I, I just wonder, we were very harsh on Resurrection because it came during peak DS9, where there, mm. it was really going great, and then you get an episode like that, and you're like, this is terrible. But this one feels much more in line with all the other episodes that have come before. So maybe maybe saying the first season of Enterprise is straight threes is wrong. It's straight twos, maybe, is the way that we're going to sure. average out to this. So we'll see. Yeah. But I understand what you mean. It's not, well, we'll get to it, I guess. Uh, Matt Russ, uh, even Jeff Combs can't save the story. Episode really messes with continuity. If they met the Ferengi, the Federation would have known about them way before Picard met them. Was it an Indiana Jones secret guarded by top men? So was this for laughs, filler? Who said, you know what we need? Ferengi comedy. Look at all those DS9 episodes. There are ideas like speaking in Ferengi, but that's about it. Seeing Trip do his low-impact diehard was weird. Why does he not pull out, put on his uniform or shoes? Or how about get a metal club? What the hell type of security is on the vessel? Why didn't anyone check a cargo unit in the quarantine setting? Why is Archer getting his ass kicked again? Why are there no airtight rooms? Why are the Ferengi taking clothes and chairs? Why am I asking these questions when we all know that this is bad writing? Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, the, I think you're focusing on the wrong details there. The wrong, <laughs> <laughs> all of that, all of that stuff is really inconsequential. <laughs> they're, they're, they're focusing on the chairs because if anyone has ever had to buy a chair recently, you realize that a chair is much more expensive than it ever should be. So you you should steal your chairs whenever you get the first chance. Yeah, and it slides back and forth. That's pretty cool. A latte librarian says the Ferengi are gross as always. Did they need to lean so hard on the woman as chattel aspect of Ferengi culture? I'm unfamiliar with that word, mm. chattel. Uh, I think the episode would have worked just as well without it. At least Paul had some agency in this episode, but poor Hoshi, or should I say Mrs. Tucker, did not have a single scene where she was awake. At least we got to see more women on the Enterprise, even if they were all unconscious in a pile. <laughs> I didn't. Even, is that a pile of women? I didn't even realize that. Were the Frankie collecting the women? I don't. I don't know. Oh, that that's kind of funny. Maybe. Oh, I guess. I guess probably yes, because they do say that 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 they were going to sell them. Hmm. I just didn't. I I I, re- I remember them saying that they were going to sell the women. I didn't realize that they had sorted them at that point. Which is, May, uh, I I didn't catch it if they did, but if they did, that's that, they, why didn't they they do a thing where the men of the ship are separated from the women, and those are the two factions that have to tra- like the. I don't know what you can really get out of that, but I mean, like especially when it's like, well, this is the sexiest Star Trek, so I'm sure you could get something out mm-hmm. of it. But 
Mm-hmm. You know, if the the Star Trek Enterprise, the women haven't been near the men so uh, long that they become lesbians. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> which, of course, which happens. Which is what it's hard sci-fi right there. Yeah, and they've they've been in they've been in the camp so long that all of their clothes have fallen off. <laughs> they've seen everything. I, I yeah. I, I kind of, for some reason, I like the fact that they sorted the women. And if that had been able to be tied in or something, like at least separate to Paul and Hoshi from Archer and Trip and everyone like that to sort of show that there's a separation there. I don't know what you can do with it, but it's something. Mm. Um, Let's see here. Next episode is Captain Brazen says, I would like to acquire back the 45 minutes I lost watching this episode. The Ferengi are back because why not, said the Enterprise writers in 2002. The heavy use of the Ferengi and their forgotten TNG energy whips make the episode scream fan service in a very bad way. Just like the Ferengi rummaging through the Enterprise, I can feel the writer's grubby fingers pillaging through the Trek story catalog, trying desperately to find a way to make some glorious profit and landing on the Ferengi episode archive. Sorry, sorry fellas, it's a stinker. There's another stinker for you. Brennan Braga even admitted this after the episode aired. There's no excuse for the Ferengi, no excuse. That was an act of desperation, and I hated it. So I see the trio of Archer, Paul and Tripp resembling more and more closely to the classic TOS trio of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in an otherwise terrible episode. And Tripp runs around in his underwear most of the episode because we have to find a way to still make a terrible Ferengi episode sexy. My eye rolling continues. Despite seeing Clint Howard, Ethan Phillips, and Jeffrey Combs get some work, it's a low two energy whips out of five. Interesting he went to with a two there instead of a one. Mm. Mm. Uh, Point Extra G says, I see you hiding there, Neelix. You two block... Why would I? Oh, uh, from yeah, TOS. And also you, Shran, or Wayun, or whoever you are. That Ferengi makeup doesn't fool anyone. I don't know why they thought that this show needed the Ferengi. It's at least not as bad as the worst teen, uh, DS9 Ferengi outings. I kind of like seeing the random stuff they're trying to steal. I don't think Trip would bite that guy's ear if he knew anything about Ferengi anatomy. Interrogating <laughs> Porth, uh, Poth- Porthos. I don't know. It, that might be more inclined to deal yeah, with that if the, you, you know, it. it's <laughs> when you're When you're being pinned down by a tiny little Ferengi. Interrogating Porthos and T'Pol's umaks are definitely the low points. I actually like them interrogating the dog. I thought that that's... I, I thought that was good. Yeah. I like that, yeah. <laughs> you can see the, the sheer terror in the dog when it's like this made-up Ferengi character is picking him up and stuff like that. But I did that, like that them dog is so damn trying cute. to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I spent about 10 minutes trying to get subtitles out of Netflix, Amazon, and CBS All Access. Seriously, it seemed like something was wrong going that long with just the Ferengi dialogue. It did seem like it was wrong, but I like uh, them doing that. You know, uh, back when I was watching my way through the X-Files a couple years ago with uh, my girlfriend, um, I forget what we were I think we were watching it on Netflix. And um, we got to this one episode where... Uh, Mulder and Scully are stuck on a, a Norwegian submarine or something, mm-hmm. and there uh, the guys on the sub are just talking at length in Norwegian. I don't know if that's the right word, but whatever their native language is. And um, there were no subtitles, and there were no subtitles throughout the entire episode. And there were scenes that were like multi-minute scenes with just two people speaking in a language other than english with no subtitles and i was i was going wow this is really ballsy for tv in the mid 90s like that they're doing a whole thing with with uh just a different language and then we got a couple episodes later was the one where um Mulder ends up uh he gets knocked out or something and he ends up being um nursed back to health by uh native americans (laughs) 
And <laughs> there's this big section where they are talking in whatever the Native American language they're speaking. And again, there were no subtitles. I'm like, man, this is – oh, wait a minute. I think we. I think this is broken. And then I went and I pulled the episode up on Hulu and it had subtitles. So it wasn't – it was we watched like two or three episodes that had different languages in them with no subtitles and I thought they were like really pushing the bar for what you could do on TV. How and it was just that the uh the Netflix didn't have subtitles for some how reason. How did they unbake the subtitles out of the show? You would think that that would I be I have ba- no idea. Yeah. No idea. Cuz it's not really a yeah. subtitle. That would be a part of the 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 thing, wouldn't it? Like it, it wouldn't depend. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, I, there's probably, I assume the Frangie are saying things, and it's probably a uh, Blu-ray feature where you can see them with the subtitles on or something <laughs> like that, but I, I don't think it's that's, that's funny. I would, again, I would have gone the whole episode with not understanding a single word that the humans or right. whatever were saying, and that would right. be fine. Yeah. Stefan Minton says, I confess I like nearly all the DS9 Ferengi episodes. I do penance regularly by flogging myself with my near mint condition energy whip replica. But seriously, I feel the Enterprise suffers when it shows us alien races we're familiar with from previous Star Treks without adding anything new to them. What, which, mm. what should be a journey into the great unknown feels like a journey into the I feel like we've been here before. I don't think it's impossible to do a Ferengi episode in a prequel setting, but you have to give us a good angle, make the Ferengi feel alien again. I think Disco is a terrible disappointment, but the Vulcan hello did, what the Vulcan hello did really well was make the Klingons feel strange, menacing, and utterly alien. Something like that could work for the Ferengi, but this is not the way to do it. Two canisters of knockout gas out of five. What would you do if it had been a Ferengi episode and the Ferengi show up and they just have normal sized ears? I know, <laughs> like a like a reverse like a Klingon reverse thing Klingon. where the TOS Klingons have. It's no, just Clint no Howard with no makeup on. It, yeah, it's just Clint Howard. <laughs> I'm just Ferengi. get Clint Howard and Armin and Armin Shimmerman with no makeup and you're fine. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I've been thinking about the disco Klingons too, uh, for whatever reason recently. I don't know why, but I, I think that's like the one thing I like from the first season of Discovery. Remain Klingon. Um, let's see here. Next comment is Neil Brennan says, Rule of acquisition number 69. Nice. When you've objectified your main female cast member's boobs and butt, you must objectify her ears. Side question. After I finish watching an episode, I normally read the Wikipedia memory alpha entries for it. Usually there are a few quotes from the cast and crew, and how do I say this politely? They're always a bit dumb. Not saying the actors are thick, but the quality of commentary and the insight is poor. It's all very superficial. This script seemed fun, or I had to wear those pants for 12 hours straight. Not easy. What gives? Is it just the churn of network TV, or actors who don't dive into the franchise the way we do? Or maybe they are dumb. I don't know. I have wondered that. Not whether or not actors are dumb because, you know, whatever. But uh, I don't want to make those kinds of gross accusations. But I I feel like a lot of times in order to be an actor, you have to be able to just disassociate yourself from the stuff that you're actually saying. Mm-hmm. Like you you are obviously in the moment and you are acting what you're being told to to act. But that's like where your job ends especially for something like this where you're doing so many episodes. I feel like if you if if I was an actor a, pro, a principal actor on Enterprise and every script had stuff I had problems with like structure wise, they would probably fire me after 3 episodes. Yep. You know, I th- I think in order to to just kind of keep your um morale and your your mind about it you just kind of have to treat it like a job. Yeah. It's not everybody who's on the show has to be a Star Trek nerd yep um 
and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, and it's uh, it's funny though listening to actors talk about stuff like this, where they're like, "Oh yeah, my pants were were really tight that day." <laughs> when any when you could talk to like an athlete twenty years after a game, and they can break down everything they did in that game. Yeah. Uh, without having to watch the game again, where it's like, oh, yeah, well, at that point, that's when I, I took it down the left side. And I, I, I saw him coming on my right, so that's when I passed it across the ice yeah. to uh, Bergeron. And it's like, wh- how do you remember this shit? Yeah. I, like, I, one day at a time, I would be the guy who's out there being like, just got to take it one day at a time. We put out a really good effort today, and hopefully we could do it again tomorrow. That would be me as a sports guy. Bill, Bill Belichick is the greatest actor of, uh, of all these. That's the, the Belichick yes, approach yes. is just the actor approach. I think there's um yeah. there's a few things for like memory alpha. Uh, it's like well, it's like it's like in Wayne's World too when they talk to the uh, uh, the roadie who's lived the whole life. Yeah, right. Uh, and 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 <laughs> he he says ah oh, that reminds me of Woodstock, and they go oh my god you were at Woodstock what was that like and he says well it rained all morning but it cleared up in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I I think that the. I think there's a couple things going on. So the, the quotes on things like Memory Alpha, pay attention to the dates. So this episode came out in 2002, and the quotes are usually from like 2014 or something. It's some interview that they're mm-hmm. doing like decades later. And it's, you know, I, I can, some of it is due to memory loss. And I think that the the difference that you were talking about, Clay, is that I agree that actors are probably not as invested in the stuff as the people who are watching it. But I think there's also a difference between the athletes and actors in that an athlete's game is the equivalent of being in the episode. So athletes are present for the entire thing, and they have a holistic memory of what that game was, which is a way that a viewer of an episode has a holistic memory of the episode. Actors have no connection to the finished product while they're doing it. You know, They're just in their scenes, and they have no relationship to... Like they they have they could be thinking thinking I'm fucking killing it this episode and then the episode comes out and we're both like one out of five what the hell was that that yeah, was awful right yeah. so they have a very disconnected relationship with what they're doing and I don't think a lot of actors watch their shows afterwards so yeah. I was just gonna say like if you if you were talking to the actress who plays Hoshi and you were like what what are your how, how do you feel about the episode with the Ferengi do you think that was an appropriate use of the Ferengi I'm sure she'd be like I I was there for a day and i fell asleep right. she on took the her set. kids she I took did. her kids to the carnival that week it was like she had enough right. free time yeah. to not have to come to sets and do work and stuff that's probably her memory of it yeah but yeah i just think they're for their quotes it's a the quotes are a combination of political answers where they're not trying to mm-hmm. offend anybody and lack of less uh, lack of memory of what they actually did and not being present for the entire thing so they don't really know what to say about it yeah, um, it's interesting. It's interesting when you can tell, and and, and this isn't a knock because you're you're kind of doing what the fans want you to do. But you can. It, it's interesting when you can tell the the answers that they've clearly used before. Mm-hmm. Like a, a lot of the a lot of the guys who do the convention circuit and stuff must have been asked the same questions a billion times. Yeah. Uh, there's only so many so many ways you can ask Brent Spiner what his favorite episode is. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, I think the the ones who are used to that recognize there's a certain thing that the audience wants from me, and 
I I know I have a story that can that can cover that, and then they just kind of they kind of nurture that story. So it's a good, it's a performance piece essentially. Yeah, the the conventions in that way are just an extension of their character. It's just that they they as an actor yeah. have become an extension of their character, and they have to deliver what people want to hear in that yeah. place. Like that, I don't know. I know we're going way off topic here, but I don't know if you saw that clip of uh, um, Jerry Ryan, and I'm not sure who the guy on on Voyager is. Uh, the Harry Kim the actor, Harry Kim. Yeah, and they were getting into some like really deep shit about the relationship between Jerry Ryan and uh, Kate Mulgrew, yeah, yeah. and uh, their. That's why they start positions. crying, isn't it? Doesn't someone? Isn't yeah? Gary yeah. Wang starts crying, and he's just sitting next. Yeah, to him. he does. Well, no, no, he starts, he's crying because he, he was trying to get them together and, oh. and, and bury the hatchet and stuff. And they start talking about this stuff where I'm like, man, who was expecting this kind of answer? Like, what, <laughs> what, what was Jerry? I'm sure Jerry Ryan was going there hoping to, to assuming it's going to be like, yeah, you know, that skit, that suit was really tight sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I remember this one time where my eyepiece fell off into my coffee and, yeah. and, and Garrett laughed. I, I had don't to think tape over my nipples so I couldn't, into, wouldn't be chafing. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is I, what we want. I don't know if she was expecting to get into like a, uh, a gender dynamics discussion. Yeah, psych- at psychoanalytical breakdown but, of how she felt. Uh, right. Working with somebody. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, um, and I, I, you know, as someone who, who looks at this but stuff, that being said, that being said, credit to them for, for discussing that stuff openly. It's much more interesting. I'm reading a, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I'm reading yeah. the 50 year mission book right now, which is like an oral history mm-hmm. that a, a listener Tarek had told me about. I'd never heard of it before, but it's a, an oral history, uh, interviews a lot of people. I'm just on early TNG, but it's so refreshing because it's not the memory alpha quotes about I like this episode. Sure. It was good. It's it's a really sure. nitty gritty, like feels true to life. It's a lot of people saying the positive, saying the negative, saying like realistically, this is the most annoying thing that was going on at this point. Um it's not this it's not this celebration of Roddenberry, but at the same time he has some defenders who are like, It's not that bad, he's just kind of an asshole like thing. So there's like this variety <laughs> of perspectives about the whole uh enterprise and do they have does anybody give that uh that diplomatic answer where they kind of pause for a second and go anyone with a vision is is going to have some hard edges (laughs) you know it's like okay so he was an asshole (laughs) yeah they they too they do talk about his vision but in a mostly a negative Mm -hmm. way about just how like how no one bought into it it was very limiting for them as writers Mm. and stuff like that and some of it seems bitterness based out of the fact that he seems to have stolen money from some people and harlan ellison is brought in and talking about it but it's i just prefer that and i if I was a Star Trek actor, I would hope to be that character who went to the conventions and was like, here's all the dirt, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, I know that that's horrible for your acting career, but I just find it so much more interesting. Look around the stage. Hmm, who's not here? Uh, LeVar's not here. LeVar, I've got stories about him. Yep. Couldn't remember his lines. Terrible. Benjamin Espinosa says... Never thought I would miss a DS9 Ferengi episode. At least DS9 had Quark, Rom, and Nog. Although it was fun seeing Combs, Ethan Phillips, Voyager's Neelix, and Clint Black. Clint, wait, is that a... Clint, Clint Black, the country star? Yeah, that's what, I, I think I've seen them. I didn't, I didn't recognize that was him. <laughs> uh, Clint Howard, I think is what you mean. Yeah. There's some humorous moments. Got rules of acquisition. <laughs> we got 173. 
There's some humorous moments like Porthos and T'Pol getting even with Archer, but all in all, pretty bland. How many shots did the film? How many shots did they film of people carrying things back and forth through the halls? There were so many ways Archer and Trip could have retaken the ship, gas them back, airlock, lock them in the corridor, even detach the ship. Trip had control of the ship after all. Two Umok sessions out of five. Well, the comment, the follow-up comment to that is Clint, Clint Black as a Ferengi would be interesting. Uh, Vault 13 Hero says, this episode finally answers the question, sure, Ferengi episodes are pretty bad, but what if we had Clint Howard, Neelix, and Jeffrey Combs? Would that make it better? The answer is yes, but only slightly. I thought Ferengi's assigned no value to gold at all unless it was pressed latinum, but hey, it's hard to remember everything in hundreds of episodes of various Star Trek series, I suppose. Two massive earlobes out of five. Kyle Barrett with the final comment. Acquisition. Is this a cheap, desperate, shameful, stretched out, no excuse for it, continuity meddling, rules of acquisition rewriting, trips package wobbling, sexist pile of women feature, cute dog mistreating, cringy umox tainting, great guest stars wasting, embarrassment of an episode? Yes. Yes, it is. Do I enjoy watching it? Yes. Yes, I do. No star rating. that is the summation of the human complexity. It is. I guess it is a pile of women. I don't know if that knocks up my rating or something at this point. You <laughs> should just retcon it to have. Now you're, getting, now you're getting dangerously close to the internet searches that Wes has been doing lately. <laughs> Remember when... On, on various websites. There's, there's been no... Um, just like the pile of women just... There's been no... It's sometimes fascinating to look back four years and see how much our culture changed. Remember when Romney said, I have binders full of women's names and people were like, what the... How dare you? <laughs> How dare you have a binder full of names? People yeah. people reacted like he this is no defense of Romney, but like look at where we are now and look at how we reacted yeah. to him saying I have a binder full of women's names who are potentially vice presidents or something. Yeah, I uh I even though that was like 4 years ago or whatever, maybe I guess that was 8 years ago at this point. Um it was it was a different time as far as what what I think most people thought was the line, I guess. Uh, Is that even a line? <laughs> it's like not uh, even a no, line. but it's like that's that's such. I mean, I I get it as a campaign campaign era thing where it's like, oh, it sounds like he's got he's. I don't know. I don't even. I don't even remember what the reading of that. But was, like, if but, he had said, "I have a list of women's names," would people have reacted? Mm-hmm. Was it? He's just. He, he's just exaggerating the size of his list. I think. You know, like he's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was strange. People saw it as some sort of. Well, I mean, dehumanization keep, process. Keep keep in mind, it wasn't that long ago that Howard Dean disqualified himself from being president because he, he screamed weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like <laughs> depending depending on where the bar is at the moment, yeah. various things can be be uh, received a lot a lot more heavily or a lot less heavily. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. I think, it's a weird time. I think George H. W. Bush looked at his watch during a debate, and people were like, "He's not taking mm-hmm. this seriously." <laughs> Yeah, I mean the, the Obama wore a tan, tan suit, suit and they wanted like to uh, impeach him. Yeah. yeah, you know, like I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's all backfired. Yeah, yeah, it's really uh, it's. I don't know what to say. No, it's very just pile pile of women. I, I just don't know if anyone's taking the pile of women. That's all I could think of. Well, I mean, of women. What, <laughs> the binders of women thing was weird, but uh, the, remember when he was talking about how he liked to, he strapped his dog to the top of his yeah, car. That was the- <laughs> <laughs> Although I felt, I found that made him 
more relatable on some level. I was like, good, good for yeah. you to strap that dog right up. In the, it was in its box. I know whatever. that's 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 very much like a oh, so you're just Chevy Chase in, in the vacation <laughs> movies, I guess. People ship their dogs and yeah, it's just people ship their dogs in planes like that. I guess the the thing is that right. if the box falls out of the plane, is much harder to do than falls off the top of your car. But I think the right. the, the yeah. end result is the same. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Romney believes in magic underwear, which is the great disqualifier for him. But uh, sure, let's not yeah. focus on things that matter, I suppose. Um, that's it. We're done with that one. What are you going to? Uh, thank you, patrons, for your comments about that. And uh, Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? Um, probably a, a high two. Like I don't think it's bad, but I, I do think it's not doing the show any favors. Mm-hmm. The, I think. The blue, the, the not not that there was a bloom on this rose, but whatever, uh, whatever highly highly manufactured sheen there was on these workmanlike episodes is really starting to fade from overuse. Sure, um, it's just yeah, they're just kind of truck trucking along down the down the center line. There is is not super engaging for me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the, the, the high esteem we had for the average episode early was like, oh, a Star Trek episode has never come out of the gate and given us five average episodes in a row. Like, what an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And when you have 19 average episodes in a row, you go, well, I don't know how much of an accomplishment this is anymore at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, um, I think it's a two for me as well. I probably would say it's a low two. I really don't. Um, it's like... It's like when, when uh, not that I have any direct experience, so you can tell me if it's not like this at all, but it's like uh, when your kids um, learn how to put on their own clothes, mm-hmm. like the first handful of times you're like, oh my God, that's so great. That's so great. And then after like a month or maybe two months, you're, you're just like, yep, he got, he got the shirt on. So I guess that's an accomplishment, uh, even though the shoes are in the other room and he's got mud all over his feet and tracking it all over the house. But he put the shirt on by himself. So the, da- the downside is once he can do it, he'll go through his entire closet of clothes in one right. day. Yes. So that's yeah. the downside. <laughs> once once he learns how to put it on, it means he can just pull it off and throw it a, at any time. There's a lot of pressure with the clothes thing, though, because doctors, their pediatricians use it as a development marker. So when they get to a certain oh, really? age, they're like, is he dressing himself? And if he, if he's not, mm. you're just like, come on, put your pants on. Do it correctly. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he can put his pants on. Now, the problem is he won't stop putting pants on at that point. So that's it. I think we're done. It's a low two out of me. I, I think of this one very similarly to Rogue Planet. Um, it strikes me mm-hmm. in a very similar way. So I'm going to stick with this, the same rating there for that one, which is a low three. Clay will give it a high three. Or high two. Sorry. Mine's a low two. Um, that's it. Acquisition is done. Support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Otherwise, all the social media links are down below at thepenskefile.com slash links. And I think that's pretty much it. I am, I am a little surprised that my... Uh, I, I'm surprised that I'm not reacting as negatively to these as, as, as a lot of people are. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. I don't, I don't know if it's just because I have no prior knowledge. Of, I mean, not, not that you do, but I, I feel like generally yours, your scores have been lower than mine. Um, and I guess I don't know... Maybe I'm not expecting as much out of the show. Well, I have a a question for you, I guess. Mm. This this series, I feel like I've noticed in you a lack of remembering details occasionally. So, Oh, just now? (laughs) But I feel... Do you listen to the show? I, I feel before, I feel before it was kind of a... 
Like you, you don't remember like some race nuance or something. You're like, oh, the Frankie did that. I have no idea that the Frankie actually did that. Mm-hmm. Here, I feel. I'm wondering if you are. Are you talking like within the episodes or among the scenes? No, within the episode. So I'm, I'm wondering oh, if you yeah, would you well, say that you're paying as strong attention to these episodes as you were later stage DS9 episodes, for instance? Hundred like, percent, no. Right. 100% so no. do you? I, I like. I would say that I watch Enterprise with probably 90% of the attention I had before because I don't need to pay attention all the time. Like this episode, you could watch a swath of this and if you come back and you haven't and you've missed it, you have no you haven't missed anything, really. Like you've right, you've right. maybe you maybe had some comment here you forgot T'Pol was in some place or something. But like you you missed like oh T'Pol is now in that room apparently. But I feel that this episode maybe can be slipping maybe we're we're both just kind of not focused on it which leads you to a kind of background viewing which is not as negative as if you were actively paying attention to it you know what i mean yeah what what i have noticed is a lot of these episodes have started to lose me like in the second half yeah um i I feel like i'm at a parent-teacher conference right now uh it's like no he'll do better next time he's not paying attention (laughs) which is not not a chris not to say that I feel that the, your commentary or something has gone down, but I do wonder if you're if the the activeness of watching it has changed it because I honestly I have to rewind a lot of these Enterprise episodes. Okay, I find myself drifting off, and then I will like yeah. wake up and be like, yeah. oh, I, I missed something. I have to go back there, or or I I get on an extended session of looking at my phone, and I'm like, oh, I think I missed right. something. I have to go back. Yeah. No, I, I'm definitely in this in the same camp. That the thing the thing that's disarming me about these episodes is that. When that's when I do kind of when my focus does kind of shift, um, I don't feel like I'm missing stuff, and because because it is fairly like nothing's really happening, yeah. And so it it is all kind of like flow; it just kind of washes over you. Um, and then when I go back, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of missed that. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know. I, I find them to be they're not super engaging. I guess is the problem. Yeah. So. I get about halfway through, and then I kind of be like, "Yeah, all right. I guess I kind of, I kind of assume I know how this is going to end." I mean, to, and to, then it just, yeah, to be a one, the badness has to grab you. You know, you have to go like, "Wow, right. this is really like right. this is falling apart. Like this is awful." And then you, yeah. when you're focusing on it, you're like, "Wow, this is." They never recovered from this horrible. Which start. is why, which is also why I think some of the ones that have been uh, lower that I've rated higher, and you and other people have rated lower is that way because those are the ones that usually have like a kernel of an interesting idea that do that does grab me. Yeah. But even those ones they end up just kind of fizzling out about halfway through and it's just kind of fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, I think that might be might be the problem. But uh not a problem, but I think that might be the difference in scoring. But let's call it there. We're running a little bit late, so I should sign off now. But uh, check out the patreon.com slash the Penske file. I guess that's it. Clay, do you have anything quick you want to say before we go? Uh, Rotten Horror Picture Show. We just covered Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I don't know when this is coming out, but shortly after that, the next one is uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, oh. and we'll have a new episode of Badass Podcast probably up this week. Yeah, in a couple days, I would think. I think, yeah. 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 Cool. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time.